Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast in Phoenix, Arizona. Now you'll recall, we've been marching through this book of Galatians, chapter by chapter, that the Apostle Paul had been converted by a meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had been an enemy of Christianity, an enemy of Christ. And Christ confronts him, asks him, point blank, Saul, which was Paul's name before he became Paul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Man, that's, that's an interesting question because obviously Jesus, when he confronted Paul, he, he had already died and risen from the grave and ascended into heaven. And yet when he confronts Paul about persecuting the church, he says, why are you persecuting me? That shows how closely Jesus identifies himself with you who follow him. Isn't that amazing? Of course, Paul, uh, once the Holy Spirit converted his heart, became passionate and excited about Jesus and, and getting other people to know Jesus and be in relationship with him. Some of the churches that he went to were in uh, a region of the Roman Empire called Galatia. And this, is a, this letter is probably a circular letter written to several of those churches that Paul had started himself by his own hand. And uh, he regarded these people as his spiritual children. You know that some other teachers uh, came in. Um, and as we're going to learn today, it could be as few as one other teacher came in and, um, and began to uh, tell people that Paul's message was not the right message. And here was the heart of it. Paul had taught them that it's Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus. Jesus is our one true hero. Jesus is the one who get, brings salvation. Everything is a gift of his grace, his undeserved love. There's nothing that you have to do, absolutely nothing that you have to do for that. It's all yours simply as a gift. And the, these people called the Judaizers said, hold on, Paul's got it wrong. It's not quite all Jesus. It's Jesus plus you have to do a few things on your own. And, and so Paul, we're going to read one verse together, and you can see Paul is incensed at these Judaizers. He is furious because these guys are trying to change up the message in a way that it actually takes the message away. So let's look at this together. Galatians 5.1. I would, it's only one verse. It's right at the top of your crosswalk notes. Uh, let's read it together. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We live in a self-improvement, do-it-yourself world. And that's our world. Many of you may remember, as I do when when we were younger, um, now... Lots of you, fortunately, are too young to remember this. But the time when when you pulled into a gas station, guys came running out of the gas station and would check your oil and would, and would wash your windshield for you and fill up the tank. Amazing, right? Well, that went away. The history of that is that in 1947, in the state of California, there was one self-serve gas station. And, of course, in, in just probably about two decades, that whole thing switched. And now there are only two states remaining where you can do, uh, you can get your windshield wipers checked and your oil checked and all that. Anybody know what those two states are? Oregon's one. Anybody know what the other one is? Jersey. Good job. See, this is a very smart crowd in this room. 
Oregon and Jersey, right? And you know why they do that? These are ancient laws on the books that basically say, if we allow people to fill their own gas tank, they're going to start fires. Uh, It's very dangerous, and gas stations are going to be blowing up. And uh, those laws are from the 1940s, but those states have hung with those laws uh, against all opposition. They've said, look, no, we're we're sticking here. No self-help in our state. You're going to be served. Why is it on a whole nother vein that even during these really tough times, Lowe's and Home Depot are thriving? Because it's all about this self-improvement, do-it-yourself thing that we've got going in America. Now, here's, here's the really interesting thing. There are now do-it-yourself, homegrown superheroes. Have you heard about them? Anybody... Anybody uh, heard the name, for example, Phoenix Jones? Phoenix Jones is a real-life superhero. In fact, if you want to study more about real-life superheroes, you can go to one of two sites, reallifesuperheroes.org or reallifesuperheroes.com, and you can learn everything you want. There are actually more than 200 real-life superheroes in our country. With the explosion of superhero movies and superhero figurines, there are now real-life superheroes. Phoenix Jones, the reason you may have heard about him is that he recently got arrested. And it's hilarious why he got arrested. He got arrested because he lives in Seattle and he patrols the streets of downtown Seattle and he thought that he saw a group of young people fighting early in the, on a Sunday morning and he raced in there with his can of pepper spray and sprayed the whole crowd of them to break up this fight that he saw. Only, sadly, it was not a fight. It was just a bunch of young people hanging out, having fun and doing what they do at 2 o'clock in the morning after they've had a few too many drinks. And so guess who got put under arrest? Phoenix Jones got put under arrest for trying to be a real life superhero, a do-it-yourself superhero. In fact, it's really quite dangerous if you read the article to be a do-it-yourself superhero. Um, Phoenix has had himself stabbed. You know how security people will teach you when you walk to your car? Gals, you probably have heard this. Like, carry your key, and if anyone tries to stop you, you just jab them. Well, he actually had a key driven completely into his stomach, and it got infected, and he nearly died from that. So it's very risky. I'm glad I was able to paint that picture for you. (laughs) Very risky to be a real-life superhero. And that's what Paul is saying. In fact, it's beyond risky in the spiritual world to be a real-life superhero who thinks that you can do it yourself and save yourself and rescue yourself and others. And that's what this whole thing that we've been talking about over the past few weeks has been saying. There's only one hero, and he truly is super. Because he has done it all for us. And what Paul is telling us today is this is where it really gets practical, cool, because what he's telling us today is you've come here to experience change. There's, there's things in your life that you're, you're not happy about. That's what Paul's telling the Galatians. You wanted a different way of life. 
And these Judaizers are trying to tell you that if you, wanna, if you want change, if you want to be transformed, if you want that different way of life, that it's Jesus and your self-improvement efforts, your do-it-yourself stuff, being your own superhero. And Paul says, if you go back that route, the freedom that you've been given, you're throwing it away. You are going back into bondage and slavery and don't do it. And here's why. If you do it, if you think you can self-improve and do it yourself, you're going to actually end up giving away and throwing away the change that you want to have happen in your life. And especially, Paul says, not just the change in this life. Here's the big deal. You're going to end up throwing away the eternal change from hell to heaven that Jesus alone, as your superhero, has already given you. Don't do it, Paul says. So we started with this one verse, and that's, that's where Paul is starting. You've been set free, you have this freedom, and it's so that you can be free. That's the goal, that we be free. And that's what Jesus did as our superhero. Don't go back. And don't think, like many people think, that the true path to freedom is through bondage, through slavery, through doing it yourself. To think that way, Paul says, is to be the guy who remodels his entire kitchen, spends 50 grand on his kitchen, right? And it is beautiful. It's done. It's, it's gorgeous. He spent a boatload of money. And a week later, he looks at it and he goes, mm, not really happy. Let's start all over, right? Okay, be honest. How many of your marriages would survive that? That's what he's saying. How many of our relationship, you to me, you to Jesus, how many relationships are going to survive? Jesus comes in, he remodels everything, he says, look... Your status before God is now pristine. You're holy. You've been given my righteousness. The project is done. It's finished. And now you want to come and say, let's start all over. I'll help this time so that we can get it done right. Paul says, all you're going to do with that is alienate yourself from your relationship with Christ. You're going to head down into a dark alley by doing that. Here's what I want you to write down. Many people think that the path to freedom is through bondage, through slavery, that we have to do it ourselves. We have to be the slaves. We have to be the superheroes. But that path, Paul says, leads into two dark alleys. And one is bondage to rules, and the other is bondage to sin. Let's go back in. We're going to read verses 2 to 6. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised... Now remember, the the key element that the the Judaizers wanted to convince the Galatians of is you got to go back and become a Jew, and the way to become a Jew is to be circumcised. And Paul says, if you let yourselves be circumcised, knowing that Jesus has done it all, Christ will be of no value to you at all. You, You cancel out the gift you cancel out that rental project that Jesus did in your heart, mind, your status with God. 
Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law. You want to start with rules and customs and traditions? Don't think you're going to get away with just one circumcision. That's not going to do it. And you know how that is, even with ourselves. Once we become rule followers, we're always looking for the next rule, the next thing. What do I need to do to improve myself just a little more? Well, if that's how we are, a perfect God, how much more so him? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, be as perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, who can live up to that, Paul says? You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. Now, I put this one in your crosswalk notes. I want you to underline that phrase. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated, especially circle that word, from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. There's no way to to combine rule following and grace because grace means a gift. I'm going to read on, and then we'll come back to that passage. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I, I put this passage... Verse 4, I I selected this one out of that whole group of passages because I think it's the most important in here. Because what he's saying is, those of you who want to be real-life superheroes so that you can save yourself through your own efforts, who want to be do-it-yourselfers, all you're going to end up is alienating yourself from Jesus. Rule followers end up alienating themselves from Christ. Now, is this a danger? You bet it's a danger. It's a huge danger right here in this church. It's a danger in Christianity in general because, quite honestly, a lot of people have boiled Christianity down to a religion, not a relationship. And the difference between a religion and a relationship is a religion teaches you what to do so that you can bring yourself closer to God. A relationship simply says, here's Jesus. He's done it all for you. He wants to give you a gift. Will you be in relationship with him? Will you let him love you? And furthermore, God even goes, and I know you're too blind, you're too dead to see this Jesus who wants to be in relationship with you. So I'm going to throw in another gift of my grace. I'll send the Holy Spirit into your hearts and minds so that he can convince you to be in relationship with Jesus, my son, your savior. Amazing, right? But too many of us come to church here or in other churches where sometimes this is even taught, guys, that church is really like Home Depot or Lowe's. It's that place that you come to collect the tools and the truths and the little things so that you can go back into your life every week and do a little more self-improvement. That you can be a do-it-yourself. It's, it's your superhero training place. This is where you go to, to help yourself be a better superhero so you can rescue yourself from evil and maybe bring yourself closer to God. And so you come to, to church to learn how to be a better superhero, a better do-it-yourselfer. You think of church as a Lowe's. And you know what Lowe's new motto is, don't you? Never stop 
improving. Heard it? Now I want you to think about that. I'm going to share some statistics with you. Think about never stop improving. Here's some statistics I came across this week. Churches lose an estimated 2,765,000 people each year. Lose those people, 2,765,000 to nominalism and secularism. You know what those are? Nominalism means you say you're a Christian, but that's the extent of it. Secularism is you say you're a Christian, but, but you're not at all trying to live according to the word of God. You're living a secular life. What God says in the scriptures doesn't really matter to you because your home culture, your secular culture matters more to you. 2,765,000. The research also shows that 3,500 to 4,000 churches close every year. Now, there can be a lot of reasons for leaving a church. And sometimes people leave a church because they haven't been treated in a Christ-like way in a church. And then that's on us, right? That's on us. But I also believe that a lot of people leave church because they're exhausted. They come to church and they hear this message. Never stop improving. And... And they go, man, okay, I'm trying this, and I'm trying that, and I'm trying to work this out in my life. And the church, when you know this is happening when people start saying the church wants. The church wants me to do this, and the church wants me to do that. Right? And I'm exhausted. This this happened happened many times to, to people that are very famous Christ followers. Martin Luther himself was brought up in a church in the 1500s that was a rule-following, do-it-yourself, make-your-own-way church. Be your own superhero. And, and he became completely devoted to Jesus. And so he wanted to do it upright. He was training to be a lawyer, and he decided, you know what? No more lawyer stuff for me. I'm going to go and I'm going to be in a monastery. I'll be a monk. In the monastery, they trained him. If you want to be closer to God, you've got to follow all these uh, prayer rules and, and preaching rules. And, and, and you've got to do these acts of service. And when you're repentant, you've got to literally beat yourself up with a whip to show how sorry you are over your sins. The guy nearly killed himself, literally, trying to show how sorry he was over his sins. Because his church was teaching him that's the way to get closer to God. Self-improvement. And that still happens today. It can happen here at Crosswalk if we don't know. Crosswalk is not Lowe's. This church is a place where we want to match you up with Jesus. And have you walk with him. And have you simply be in relationship to him by the power of the Holy Spirit working in your heart and mind. And know all the things that he has done for you already. And that his work is a completed work. Something that you and I don't have to add one last thing to. Rule followers will end up being exhausted. And when they get exhausted... They alienate themselves from Christ. Now, Paul goes on 
And he says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? And kept you from obeying the truth. What kind of persuasion, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Now, this is interesting. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the price, whoever he may be. What's interesting about this is he's been talking kind of in the plural, and here he suggests that there there may be really just one person who is trying to lead them back into this circumcision stuff and into following all these Jewish customs, rules, and traditions on top of believing Jesus and trying to add and be their own superhero. One person. Can that happen? That one person comes into an entire in this case, group of congregations or an entire church, one person, one legalist. And by the, by the way, by the term legalist, I mean a person who says rule following is the way to heaven. Traditions, customs, and laws. I have to do it myself. That's what legalism is, is that by following the rules, I get myself to heaven. I get myself into relationship and reconciled to God. Can one legalist do that? Paul says, absolutely. A little lump of yeast, he says, will work its way through the whole lump of dough. A little bit. You know why that's true? Because of the nature of a legalist. Legalists are very determined. And they will not be quiet. In my experience, if a person is a legalist, they will keep harping, they will keep talking, they will try to have their voice be louder than any other voice in the room. And even though they're completely outnumbered, you know how it works when someone is constantly the loudest voice in the room and you cannot shut them up, right? Eventually, people start to go, huh, that's the loudest voice in the room. Maybe he has something. And you know the other reason why? One person can change a whole group of people. A little yeast can work its way through the whole lump of dough. Because I think in this case, and many times in our own case, it's someone we know. And someone we care about. Someone we love. They're our friend. They're in our growth group with us. Or or they're on our ministry team with us. And we have a relationship with them. And we're like, I, I don't know that that person really wants to hurt me. He doesn't want to hurt us. And so we begin to listen to those words because they're our friend. And, and what Paul says, I, I don't care how loud they are. And, and I don't care how much that guy is a nice guy that I like. What's important is Jesus and Jesus and Jesus and only Jesus. In fact, to this point that Paul gets rather emphatic about it, let's read on. 
Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished, meaning the surprise. The offense of the cross is the surprise that it's completely by God's grace and not by our own efforts. That offends people. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Now, that's a strong statement. I really read that. And he's just being logical. If cutting off a little piece of foreskin can help you become that that much more righteous in God's sight, if that's really the way it works, then become truly righteous in God's sight. Go the whole way and really get the job done. If you think the job's not done by Jesus, then do the job right. If you're going to be Mr. Superhero, if you're going to be Mr. Rule Follower, if you're going to be the one that says, I got to do it myself, go the whole way. And Paul says, they may be my friend. They may be talking loud. But I'm not going to listen to them, and I don't want you listening to them. Because what they're telling you is a load of bull. It's only Jesus and being in relationship with Jesus that matters. So now some of you may be just saying to yourself, Pastor Jeff, for the last like four weeks, you've been telling us it's not about laws. It's not about rules. Where's that going to lead? Can we take that to its logical conclusion? Because the, the title of this series is Transformed. How, how can anybody change if there's no rules? Right? Really? No commandments, none of that? Isn't that just going to lead down a path of complete immorality? Isn't that just going to lead down a path where people are behaving crazy, dancing in the streets at 2 a.m. in the morning, get pepper sprayed? You know why that doesn't work that way? Because it's about a relationship. Now I want you to think for just a moment about someone that you really love and really respect. Think of just one person in your life right now that you just have deep love for that person, deep respect for that person. With those people in our lives, do we tend to have a lot of rules? There are a lot of traditions, customs, and laws in our relationship? Or is it more this way? That as you just walk with them, you love them so much, and you, and, and, and you respect them so much that you go, you know what? There really isn't a big need for, for rules in this relationship. Because here's what I know. I just want to make that person happy. And, and whatever makes that person happy, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find out about them. I'm going to find out about the things that they want to see happen. And I'm just going to do it because I love and respect them that much. And I know that they love and respect me that much in return. Right? That's what Paul is saying. Look, when you're truly in a relationship with Jesus, those rules go away for two reasons. One, because you're already righteous by status in God's sight. You don't need the laws to get yourself over the bar to be considered right in God's sight. Jesus took all his righteousness, gave it to you. When God looks at you, he says, you are perfect just the way you are through the blood of Jesus. 
That's pretty awesome. All the sins I've committed, I love it. God sees me as perfect. I am so far from perfect, but God sees me as perfect. God sees you as perfect because of Jesus. That's grace, right? But beyond that, now you're walking in relationship with Jesus. And what happens in those love and respect, deep love and respect relationships is you begin to rub off on one another. It's not about rules and laws and saying, you better do this and you better do that. As you walk together, you just begin to sort of become more and more like each other. And you become a better person because you're walking with that other better person, right? Think about John Wooden. Why, why did his players for years and years and years want to go back and talk to him? Because he was a man of horrible rule. They didn't see him that way. They just saw him as a great man who rubbed off on them through relationship, right? And they wanted to know his wisdom and what he wanted. That's the way it works in our relationship to Jesus. So, Paul can say, and let's look at it together, verses 13 and 17, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Meaning, when you come into Christ, you you create a whole bunch of other relationships that also don't need rules and laws. You just serve one another because you love one another. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. Now here is where we really dive into how you get change to happen in your life. You want to have a better life? Go back to the same point. Be in relationship to Jesus. And and here's what Paul adds at this point. When you're in relationship to Jesus, you always have the Holy Spirit living in you. You cannot be in relationship to Jesus and not have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says no man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. When you have a relationship to Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit is in your heart. He is the one that, that binds you with Jesus, that convinces you that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And what Paul is saying here is because you have the Holy Spirit, he's also going to bring a whole lot of power into your life to change you. So you're walking with Jesus. Jesus is rubbing off on you. And you have this amazing, powerful Holy Spirit also living in your heart and mind, and he is going to change you in a supernatural way. So it's, it's a twofer. You get Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit, you get Jesus. And when you combine those two things, what Paul is telling us is you don't have to strive for life change because life change is going to happen organically. It's going to happen naturally, unless, and this is what he's saying here, you decide old sinful nature, old way of life, Holy Spirit, new way of life. And you say, eh, I'm going to go with sinful nature and old way of life. You say that, you're headed into a dark alley and you will alienate yourself from the spirit. You keep on choosing that old way of life. So write this down. 
Rule followers end up alienating themselves from Christ, but rule breakers end up distancing themselves from the Spirit. That's why you don't want to go into those two alleys. But Jesus is the one who rescues us from both dark alleys. Look at what it says in verse 5. Flip over your page. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. We are like in the comic books. The people standing in the dark alley, and you can feel the evil forces gathering around, and we don't know what to do. And we look up, and there's our superhero coming. See what it says there? For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Jesus is our righteousness. We wait for him. Now, how does that work practically? What it simply means is this. When you're a mom and it's 4.30 in the afternoon and you've been with your three kids all day long and they've been crying and they've been hungry and they've been getting in. Did you see that YouTube video with the flower all over the living room? Oh my gosh, it's a, you got to see this. These two kids take flour and all over the living room, right? And you're there and you're the mom and you are about to lose it. And you just say, I wish I could get a little peace. We eagerly await the righteousness for which we hope. We just sit down and say, Jesus, I can't do it. I'm not my own superhero. I, I, I can't go to Lowe's and get the equipment to help myself with these emotions. Lord, will you be my superhero? Help me have the patience I need right now, right? Later on, we're going to read a verse that says that the the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, and he starts with sexual immorality. Guys, when, when you're at work or you're walking down the street or you're going to a game and you turn your head to, to look at a girl, and, and, and your heads are starting to go down a train of thought that you know. Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. And, and your head starts to go down that path of sexual immorality and adultery. Sit down. Right there. Go to a quiet place and say, Jesus, I am not my own superhero. Jesus, I cannot do it myself. I need help with this temptation. Will you be my superhero? I'm looking for the righteousness that only you can bring, and I'm eagerly awaiting it. Please help me. That's what it means. You have that help. Just for the asking, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Jesus is the superhero who fulfills our deepest hopes, in fact. Look at what it says in Romans 10.4. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there might be righteousness for everyone who believes. What it means is he's fulfilled every law for us. There's not one law that we can't go to him and say, Jesus, give me your righteousness. And he can't do it. No, he's the culmination of the law so that there might be righteousness for every person who trusts in him. Write this down. Jesus ends the rule of law and begins the rule of grace. See, that's one of the fulfillments of our deepest hope. And you know what's so wonderful about Jesus ending the rule of law and beginning the rule of grace when it comes to transformation? It's so much easier to change. 
When you're under grace than it is when you're under somebody constantly beating you up and beating you down. When you know you're forgiven, when you know your status is already perfect in the sight of God and and Jesus is just saying to you, become what you already are in God's sight. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. You have Jesus walking with you sword in hand to help you slay every evil passion and desire. Use him, pray to him, ask him. Because Jesus overcomes the sinful nature. You can't, but he has. Jesus overcomes the sinful nature. Now let's look at this passage. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Now I want you to look at how destructive every one of these can be. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. That just means hard partying. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Every one of those with the power to destroy a heart, a mind, a soul, a relationship. Every last one. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus overcomes that sinful nature, that very powerful, very destructive sinful nature. Write that in. He overcomes the sinful nature and the destructiveness of the sinful nature. Now, once you're there, and you can say, Jesus is my only superhero. And in humility, you can just get down on your knees and say, Jesus, help me. I need your help. Guess what Jesus does? He lifts you up. He says, I forgive you. You're mine. I want to be in this relationship. I want to walk with you. And in fact, he says, as part of that walk, I want you to be my Robin. Get your Robin on, he says. You can help. You can be part of this. You can help with others. And I will walk with you. I will help you. I will give you my Holy Spirit to empower you. The Green Lantern has a ring. Man, we have so much more than a ring. We've got the Holy Spirit supernaturally empowering us to get our Robin on. And to walk with Jesus and to, and to help Jesus. Look at what he says. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. I will give you the spirit of truth. And he'll be in you, living in you, to give you the power you need for transformation. Go back up to the middle of the page. You see where it says the acts of the sinful nature? Circle the word acts. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Now go back down to the bottom of the page. Because the next verses in Galatians 5 are, are here. But the fruit of the Spirit, I want you to circle the word fruit. So you got the acts of the sinful nature on the one hand, the fruit of the Spirit on the other. He calls them the acts of the sinful nature because you and I were responsible for those acts. It's what we do. It's how we rebel against God. But what does he say about the goodness He doesn't call that the acts 
calls that the fruit. What does that mean? It means it's something that the Holy Spirit is producing in you. You want your life to change? The Holy Spirit's got to be in you. By faith, in Jesus, the Holy Spirit's got to be in you. And, and when he's in you, through the means of grace, when he's in you, you're going to change. You're going to produce these kinds of fruits. And look at these. Who would not want to live a life that is filled with these? Love. Anybody in this room want love? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Lord Jesus, give me more of that. And self-control. Against such things, there's no law. You don't need the law for those things. When the Holy Spirit is organically, naturally, because he's living inside of you, producing that fruit, you have a whole new life. So do you get what Paul is teaching us here? Because it is so beautiful. It's amazing. You don't have to be your own superhero. In fact, Paul says, stop even trying. You're just putting yourself back into bondage and slavery when you try. Stop, stop. And I'll tell you the ones that struggle most with that in this group, those of you who are perfectionists, you want everything to be just right, and you're just going to keep working at it, doing your own self-improvement until you get it right. No, stop, stop. Jesus is already perfect for you. And he gives it all to you. And he says, here's my Holy Spirit. You have me. A little bit of me is going to rub off on you every day as we stay in relationship. And you're going to be a changed person. And you have the power of the Holy Spirit, that very powerful ring that's going to fill you up. And he's going to make you into a superhero who can serve alongside of me. Just keep circling back to me every day and knowing, I forgive you, I forgive you. I forgive you by all that I did on the cross for you. And that's guaranteed because I've already risen from the grave for you. Next steps in the crosswalk. One simple little way that you could get your Robin on is just join us on a Saturday morning for that outreach team. It's a great opportunity to help other people get out of the self-improvement mentality. And remember this, it is for freedom. That's the goal that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, a yoke of, I'm my own superhero. I'm a do-it-yourselfer when it comes to God. And church is my lows. And I will never stop improving myself. Get out of that and just get in relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Your Father in heaven, You are amazing, and your grace is shocking. To think that we need to do absolutely nothing to have our lives changed for here, for now, and for eternity is incredible. In fact, it's so incredible, Lord, that sometimes we find ourselves doubting it, just like the Galatians did. And sometimes, Lord, we can find ourselves also in the midst of someone who says, yeah, it's Jesus, plus you got to do this and that and rules and customs. Lord, we need your Spirit's power 
to chase all that junk out of our head and to simply rely on you as the one true superhero. Your son, Jesus, is the one hero of our lives, and there are no others. Lord, help us to just humbly kneel before him and accept the gift that he has given us. As sinners, we need that gift so badly. And we thank you that our status before you has changed. We're now holy and perfect in your sight. We thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit and your presence in our lives to change us. We, we, th- we thank you for all these things in the name of your Son, our Savior Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.